At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the nuts. I'm Mike Paul, my partner, Amal Shaw, back for this final week of Jacob Roach, our producer, before he moves on to bigger and better projects here at VEASAN. It's season one, episode 161, the bird, 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 the bird is the word. 45 minutes, we'll have Ian Eagle on. We're going to have a the Hall of Fame guest list we're hoping for this week here to wrap up Jacob's life. Yeah, we're like Medford, Oregon. We're a launching point for television careers. Jacob going to move on to a bigger market, obviously, at VEASAN, better time slot. Uh, allegedly, we'll find out more from him. We'll get his take on that one later on in the week. But looking forward to a, a big slate of college football this week, a Major League Baseball as well as the Padres uh, ship just continues to sink. And how about the Rockies? Two out of three in L.A. I tell you, when the Dodgers get beyond their big three, which they used to sweep the Padres, they're in a little bit of trouble. Uh, let's start out with the trade from yesterday. The Eagles acquire Gardner Minshew for a conditional sixth-round draft pick. I have several questions about this at all. Well, so I have a theory. Go ahead. I believe the Philadelphia Eagles were not playing Jalen Hurts in the preseason because they didn't want people to realize that you could actually get a bag of Doritos for uh, any quarterback because they're so desperate. I don't think this guy's going to be starting uh, in a few weeks. If the if if the market for Gardner Minshew, and I know you hate that word, but if the value he had yeah. was a conditional six-round pick, 
Why in the heck weren't the Cowboys getting getting some uh, insurance for Dak Prescott, who hasn't seen a snap this preseason and has an injury question? Because if you lose Dak Prescott, you want to insure yourself a top five pick. And you could do that with Cooper Rush, Ben DiNucci, or whoever else they got on that team. I forgot who's the third stringer there. But they, they are horrendous in terms of what their backups are. It's awful. It's beyond awful. I'll tell you what's horrendous, too. They're second and third team defenders. I, I, when I look back at preseason, I mean, I don't know who, who had worse. The Chargers were awful. The Cowboys were awful. And the Lions were awful. Those were the three teams that stood out to me. Yeah, Jacob and I were talking before the show. We were looking at the week one for Survivor. And I'll tell you right now, the San Francisco 49ers at the Detroit Lions and the Bears at the Rams and Dallas against the Buccaneers are going to be 75% of the place. Do you think a lot of people will use the Bucks week one? Well, because oh, the million-dollar thing? Okay, I, so. Not even that, but I mean, I think San Francisco is going to be clearly the obvious choice yeah. here. And I also think they'll be on every teaser ticket in the world. What is the line currently sitting at on that one? Well, we'll get that from Jacob. Uh, if it's around a Seven or so, yeah, I think so. It's got to be. I know I know. Tampa Bay, seven and a half, eight, depending on where you get it with the Cowboys. They're up over the touchdown. Uh, and the Rams have been seven against the Bears for a while. Um, seven and a half on the Niners over uh, for Detroit and all. Who do you think will be the starting quarterback for the Eagles by week 12? Uh, Gardner Minshew. Who do you think will be the starting quarterback by week six? Ooh, great question. Uh, I don't know on that yeah. one. But look, I've never believed Jalen Hurts to be the answer. I thought at Alabama it was fairly evident. You know, I tried to tell Brent that at halftime of the Georgia game when I made the great call on Tua. And this guy has never been able to play. Look, if you go to Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler's going to be a first-round pick. Why is Jalen Hurts breaking the string there? You Forget about Oklahoma. You don't become a first-round pick. You become a first overall and a Heisman winner. This guy killed it. He's not a particularly great quarterback. But the one thing is you get these GMs. They take a chance on a guy. And if you turn out to be right, you can build your entire career being correct on one selection. And Jalen Hurts is not the guy. To me, he should have been moved into a different position, maybe a slot receiver or something else. He's big frame, but he's not a quarterback in the NFL. You need accuracy. I think Gardner Minshew, I don't personally, I think Gardner Minshew, he's probably not a starter in the NFL, but I think he's arguably one of the best backups without question. Other news around the NFL this weekend, and we, we saw some tweets on Saturday, was that the Dolphins were in talks with the Texans to try to acquire Deshaun Watson. I'll tell you what, that's a bad sign if you're Tua. That, that tells you what that team thinks of him. I mean, that's just an indictment of his abilities. If they brokered a deal, would that include Tua going to Houston? Uh, I don't know if, the, if if you're Houston, if you want him. I think if you're Houston, you sit there and say, listen, as long as we can win one game, we go 1-16 and 16 and let's get the first pick in the draft. And, you know, depends on who they decide they've to take next the, year. They've said teams that have been negotiating for him have said Houston is demanding three first-rounders and two second-rounders for Deshaun. They would have been able to get that under two circumstances. Had there been a long-term deal in place, and number two, if he didn't have the off-field baggage. If you look at it, Deshaun Watson, um, he's top five, seven quarterback, however you see him. He's a difference maker. But you know what? One GM said one thing about him that's right, which in my opinion is correct. If you're as great as everyone projects you to be, you should be able to win more than four games there. Because some of the great quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, they're able to do that individually. This is the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He is Amal Shaw. We're going to have Ian Eagle join the program in about 40 minutes to discuss the NFL. Of course, one of the top play-by-play guys for the CBS team. Amal, we did it. And what do I mean by it? We survived from college basketball now to the start of college football. You sprinkled, <laughs> you sprinkled in some great tennis winners there, but now we're back into your wheelhouse. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I tell you, I was a little bit disappointed. Didn't have an opportunity this weekend to catch the football, but 
I, you know what? I felt pretty good. I saw about a three-minute snippet of the Illinois-Nebraska uh, game, and it was the safety. And as soon as it was confirmed, I'm like, all right, the plus seven is going to be good. Let's see if the plus 220 gets home. But then I looked over on the other sideline, and I saw that 1997 national champion quarterback, Scott Frost. I knew I was in good hands, with even with Brett Bielema on the other sideline. I'm, I'm Trev Alberts. I'm Lincoln Moore to the NCAA this week. I tell you what, the problem now is this. If you are Scott Frost, I don't know if he's going to be able to survive the season. This is a horrendous loss. This is a team you've got to be able to beat. And uh, when I look at it, it is a 100% without question, in my opinion, it was the Nebraska AD and his people that leaked this information. There's a $20 million buyout. Why would you pay this guy $20 million? Listen, you offer him, you say, listen, we're, we're going to have to put a hit out of you. There's a lot of places in Nebraska we can bury you. Michael Lombardi was here this weekend for the panel. He did his show, Lombardi Line for VEASAN from South Point. And then uh, we were sitting here in the booth uh, with Mitch and Paul and Michael Lombardi and his wife um, during the Nebraska game. And he, he, he said something that I thought was very adept. He said, Nebraska is a remember-when school. They're trying to remember back to Tom Osborne, Bob Devaney, and they always want to hire these coaches, these ADs that have, have some connection. Alabama used to be a remember-when school. It wasn't until they went out and got Nick Saban, who had no ties to Bear Bryant whatsoever, that they were able to rise to that high level again. Yeah, the Mal Moore hire of Nick Saban is one of the greatest hires in the history of sports and collegiate athletics. And it's been the difference in terms of what Alabama's been able to achieve, and we've seen it over the years. But getting back to the point about Nebraska, I think part of the thing is, yeah, I get the point on they want to stay in touch with, obviously, Bob Devaney down to Tom Osborne and so on and so forth. The problem is Nebraska doesn't have the same recruiting base that they once had. If you look at the players he's brought in from the state of Florida, they have missed badly on them. Uh, they just have not materialized or panned out. The other thing is, remember when Nebraska was great, they were getting the Tomich brothers from uh, New Jersey, Lawrence Phillips from uh, California, uh, Tommy Frazier from Florida. They went all over the country. They recruited Texas well. It helped them when they were in the Big 12 because you could recruit Texas a lot easier, Big 8 those days. Uh, but to me, when you look at Nebraska, I, I don't think they're one of those programs they will never be able to get back to where they were unless they brought in someone like an Urban Meyer or something like that, because I always say that because I don't think Urban's going to last in Jacksonville more than a couple of years. But you've got to bring in somebody that's a national recruiter, but it's so hard because you don't have a built-in in-state base. E even as Alabama is smaller, they still do well there in recruiting in that state. This was uh, certainly no Mensa matchup between the coaches, though, and it was a shame because it was the spotlight first college football game of the year. We used to get the kickoff classic pre-COVID. We'd have that intersectional rivalry take place. They played that game at the Meadowlands for many years. But we got Wisconsin and Illinois. I, I think Bielema's getting let off the hook a little bit because of how incompetent Frost was. But your first punt of the game, you pin Nebraska in at the one. They get one first down. They punt. You get the ball midfield. Your, draw, your drive stalls again around the 40. You punt. They field it at the one, and they get a safety. Okay? They kick free kick from the safety. They drive down. They take a sack on fourth down. Instead of punting again, your punter's been your best weapon. He's pinned them twice. He tries a 55-yard field goal. Did he really? Yes, and missed. Gave, uh, gave Nebraska the ball at midfield. They drove for a touchdown. That was Nebraska's only lead of the game. Listen, unless the kicker's names are Harrison Butker, Mitch Prater, or a couple other guys I'm already forgetting in the league right now, you have no business attempting a 55-yard field goal. That's the yeah. problem. You see some of these distance kicks, and I'm like, just because the guy makes it in practice, it's a whole different situation in a ball game. I, I don't get that. Tucker from the Ravens, another, another oh, yeah, of these yeah. guys that's reliable from beyond 50. That was coaching malpractice. But then Frost... <laughs> Frost trying to throw the ball with 30 seconds left in the half, and you get the scoop six. You know when they kicked off to him, he was still passing the ball from his own 20 with five seconds to go. Now, what? I, I, you know what? I saw a clip of that because I was watching yeah. highlights of the game. 
um, uh, on YouTube on, on the next morning. And I'll tell you what, I didn't understand that. You know, I'm a big, big opponent of certain situations. You just got to sit there and say, hey, listen, the game was tied when the fumble occurred, right? Yes. You, you got to take advantage of that situation and be ready for the next play or go back, excuse me, for the next half. Ridiculous decision making. It was terrible. I mean, in college, even if you get a pass interference, it's only 15 yards. How are you going to get an 80-yard play? At least in the pros, you get spot fouls. That, that's exactly right. I always say in certain situations, if a team has the ball, uh, you know, for example, the, the famous uh, play with uh, Colorado, there was like nine seconds remaining. 1994 in the big house. Yeah, exactly right. Um, that play made his career, Cordell Stewart, I thought. Absolutely. The arm strength. Drafts, that, everything. Yeah. To me, it was like a situation where you sit there and don't even let them have the 18 yards up the sideline to throw the ball to get in that situation, get a P.I. and let, run the clock. I mean, those types of things, but we don't see these coaches do that. You called it. You called money line. You said take the points. Um, the line didn't make sense. They won it on the road by three touchdowns, and these were the same two teams, 22 seniors returning, 19 because of the super senior status. They won by 18 last yeah. year, 41-23, and I remember the game in play. Nebraska was down 17, and it was still a pick em. and I immediately took the Illini. I said, what are you people talking about? Remember one thing about the turnovers? You talked about the uh, fumble at the goal uh, on the – I didn't see who, who threw the ball. I forgot who it was in terms of for Nebraska, but Adrian Martinez, last year they had the third most drives in college football and in turnovers. Think about that for a second. That's a serious problem. And to me, the decision-making with Nebraska, with this team, and, and again, I have no idea. This is why, to me, sometimes these power ratings they do are a joke. What are you basing this on? Where the hell? Well, I mean, what do we have? Tommy Frazier, Brooks Berenger, uh, Scott Frost coming out there to play quarterback? This team sucks. And the problem with Scott Frost is his ship is about to sink because he attached to Adrian Martinez, who can't swim. He's been there in Lincoln as long as Kellen Mond was in College Station. Yeah, but at least Kellen, like Kellen Mond knew what the forward pass was. Adrian Martinez doesn't even look like he's got a clue. If you had the, if you had the Vikings, Kellen Mond got you backdoor cover, too. The other oh, night. really? <laughs> you know, two, two touchdown drives late in the game uh, to come back against the Chiefs. Let's go to the other game that you had. I bet this just because you gave it up. Yeah. This was from a guessing line segment where you did them all guesses. Yeah. And we said Fresno State and Connecticut. Yeah. You said 30-31. And it was, at the time, like 23 and a half. Yeah. I mean... Connecticut, outside of the first drive, I don't know if they had two first downs on any other drive in the game. What was it? 45 nothing yeah, in that one. It, it, it was, wasn't that close. It was funny. <laughs> I, I do a show every Friday with Rick Neuheisel, yeah. and I said, I said, I, that was my exact number. I said, Fresno State gets 45. I said, you really believe UConn's getting to 18 because he asked me on the over-under? I said, I don't think so. I said, Fresno State's got to do the heavy lifting here. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Hayner, their quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. He was number four or five last year in college football with 335 yards a game passing. Terrific. Ronnie Rivers back for his fifth season there. UConn didn't play in 2020. Remember, there were three teams that didn't play. New Mexico State, Old Dominion, and UConn. And when UConn played in 2019, I'll tell you what. I, I It was a god-awful thing to watch. Our good buddy here, John Goulet, our boss, big mm -hmm. fan of the UConn Huskies. That's why he probably comes in with a sour attitude every day. <laughs> but good call there, too. I played it just, just out of your guessing lines, and, and you said how bad Edsel's teams had been and hadn't played for a year. Uh, we didn't have any action on this game. Uh, UCLA, Hawaii. I was impressed with UCLA. I mean, they've got a ton of athletes on both sides of the ball, but Hawaii was really, really, really good. Yeah, you know, Todd Graham's team always never, they never play any defense. And I wanted to see that game, and I'm really mad I didn't get a chance to see it. I'm going to go back. I recorded it. I'm going to watch it. I want to see how UCLA looked offensively. And, it, and it's funny. I have two really good friends who are UCLA people. One is the biggest opt optimist. He sends me a text immediately after the game. Nine and three at a minimum. We're taking out LSU. And then I have another friend of mine who's a little bit, maybe a little bit more realistic, but a bit of a pessimist when it comes to the Bruins. He said, solid start, but I want to see what they do against that LSU offensive line. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I think this is the best thing in the world if you like LSU next week. 
that UCLA won this game so convincingly yeah. because you're going to get more value in the line. I, I didn't think DTR looked that good. That's he missed he a said. lot of open receivers. Hawaii just didn't tackle at all. I mean, UCLA was busting through the line. So UCLA ends up kicking a field goal because uh, he misses a couple passes in the end zone, right? And they, they kick off to Hawaii. Hawaii goes three and out, and on the punt, the, the, the snap is low, and the punter's knee touched the ground. He punted it, had like a 55-yard punt. They went back and reviewed it and saw that his knee was on the ground, so usually they took over inside the 20 again, and it was 10 to nothing just like that, and that, it would, the game was over. Oh, that's a critical play yeah. Yeah, right there to get that, that started there. That's, that's but, huge. But Hawaii was, was, was awful on defense. All right, Amal, let's start and, go and look ahead to the games in the official week one. They called last week week zero, and I want to start off with a couple matchups in the Big Ten. We've talked about this game with several of our guests as well as amongst ourselves. Huge game at Camp Randall, Penn State and Wisconsin. I can't wait for this game. I have some question marks about Penn State offensively. I'm not a big Sean Clifford guy. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the Nittany Lions. This is a team, remember last year, got off to that tough loss against Indiana, never bounced back. I know they're always competitive against the Buckeyes, but when you look at them, I think this is a big year for James Franklin. It's going to be tough going on the road. They have a good enough defense to keep Graham Mertz and company in check. But I think at the end of the day, the Wisconsin offensive line will wear down Penn State. But I've, I looked this morning, Mike, and I saw the line was at five and a half. I think it's a little bit high for me to take with the Wisconsin Badgers. You can find it at four and a half. We've had um, several guests that are associated with the Wisconsin program said they'd lay off here. They don't even want to lay four and a half. They think that number is too big. I went back and watched last year's tape because um, it was on uh, football in 60 the yeah. of Penn State at Nebraska. Penn State couldn't stop Nebraska in the first half. They went up and down the field again, and Penn State couldn't move the ball. I mean, they got down like 27 at the half, ended up losing by a touchdown or whatever it was. But this this offense was not good against a very bad Nebraska defense. That was Nebraska's first win of the year. Last yeah, year. You're, you're right on that in terms of your assessment of that yeah. game. The one thing I would point out, though, it was Penn State came off of a loss, and I don't remember if it was after the Ohio State they game. They were 0-2, and Nebraska was 0-3 at the time. Of okay. The it looked a bit disengaged yeah. in that game, and so – uh, you know what, though, to your point, uh, Nebraska, Penn State, you got to get off to a fast start. And, and I'll tell you what, this game, I, I want you to pay attention to this game because if Penn State loses this game, I think it could be the beginning of the end for James Franklin. Maybe not the end of this year, but going towards next year. they got a tremendous recruiting class on the horizon. Will they be able to retain that still remains to be seen. But they've got to be able to win this game. If you want to, I, I love the front, a statement Franklin made a couple of years ago. I think it was 2018 after the game. He said, look, we are a very good team, but we are not elite. And if they want to be elite in the Big Ten, which means beating Wisconsin and Ohio State, no question about it, Ohio State and Wisconsin in the pecking order, for me, in the Big Ten, are the top two teams. And you want to be a great team, get to the college football playoff, you've got to win games like this. Well, you sit in the Big Ten East, right? So you've got to beat Ohio State to even get to the Big Ten championship game out of that side. Um, I didn't put this on the list, but it's a standalone national game on Thursday night. Your Buckeyes open up uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people are leaning towards the Gophers. I, I'm not a big fan of laying 14 on the road, but I think Ohio State offensively, C.J. Stroud, I, I always said he's going to be good because I saw the fact that Olave and Jeremy Rucker, the tight end, both decided to return. This offensive line for Ohio State might be one of the best they've ever had. They're really loaded on the O-line uh, front. Got some athletes in the uh, tailback position, a freshman named Travion Henderson out of Virginia. Keep an eye on him. You're going to see him for three years. But the big thing is the Buckeyes' defense. They were horrendous against the pass last year. Bottom six in college football. They've got to get better there. They can't be any worse. So I think they've got an opportunity. Minnesota's one-dimensional. Oh, Muhammad Ibrahim is terrific running the football. I, I love this kid. I wish he were at Ohio State. He'd be the feature back, 1,500-yard runner there. But Tanner Morgan's the problem. Ohio State wants to get out early, put pressure on Minnesota. Remember last year, Michigan I went up to uh, Minnesota. 
beat them by 25 points. I think this could be a similar fate for the Gophers here. I'm not a big fan of the boat rowers. You know, we see a lot of these coaches come in from the mid-majors. Scott Frost is a perfect example of it. The boat rower, P.J. Fleck himself, they don't have the same success when you got to go recruit against the bigger guys. Saturday in the Big Ten, Indiana goes to Kinnick to play Iowa. This line has come down. This line opened four and a half, down to four. Now it sits at three. I think this is a take uh, a lay here with Iowa. I'm going to have this in the playbook this weekend. I'll wait. Maybe even it gets down to two and a half. A lot of talk about Indiana. They can talk all they want. I can tell you one thing. Remember a couple of years ago, 2019, Minnesota was undefeated. They went into Kinnick Stadium. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, my, my best friend and I were like, are you kidding me? There's no chance you're going into Kinnick and getting this game. And it's a similar situation here. I mean, it was a tight game, but the point is, look, Indiana, everything great last year. The bottom line is it is so hard, and you know this better than any of us here, to go into, and I've seen it many, many times. You've seen teams go into, Ohio State's a perfect example. They got boat raced with Dwayne Haskins. Gave up 60-some points that day. I got absolutely crushed. And Michigan's it, done it as a number. Penn State was 9-0 and one year, went yes, in there and lost. Look, one of the toughest places in America, I will never get the credit because most people will never venture to Kinnick Stadium to go see a football game. Great place if you've never been to go see a game. But to me, this is going to be a tough one. If this game gets to three, I will take Indiana, excuse me, Iowa all day. The only reason I'm not thrilled about laying uh, three and a half is because Iowa is such a conservative team. You could see this game being 20 to 17 and Kirk Ferentz having the ball with this four-minute offense, moving the ball down, first and goal at the seven, and taking three knees and kicking a field goal. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way he plays. But absolutely. He, he probably gets them two to three wins a year by just being competent, though, and, and, and playing very conservatively. I, like I love what you said right there. It's not necessarily about his him being more intelligent. It's just being competent because there's so many guys that are incompetent. But I will point out, 2005 Capital One Bowl, Drew Tate saved his hide. That was one of the worst clock management situations I've ever seen against LSU. This is an interesting game between two top 25 teams. Louisiana taking on Texas in Sarkeesian's first game. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I like uh, Louisiana here. The Raging Cajun in this one against the Longhorns. Uh, I, I forgot the quarterback at Texas. His uh, for, uh, name eludes me right now, but who's going to be getting the start there. Look, Sark's going to be great, uh, potentially. But we're sitting there acting like Steve Sarkeesian wasn't a subpar court, uh, head coach when he was at USC in Washington. He doesn't have Devontae Smith anymore. Even though I was not a Sam Ellinger fan, he kind of uh, ma- made up for a lot of the errors they had there. If you're Louisiana, you got to be able to stop the run. Bijan Robinson, if you're not familiar with him, get familiar with this kid. Sophomore out of Tucson, one of the best college football players. Mike, I think Texas laying eight or nine in this eight. one is, is a big number. I wouldn't be laying it uh, here in this particular spot. This is going to be a tight game, and I'll tell you right now, if you're taking the Raging Cajun, you've got to take a shot here on the money line as well. Why, why do we think Sarkeesian will be so much better the third time around? Because it's lazy reporting and it's lazy fact-checking by people who write this stuff. That's the bottom line. It's the reason why you pick Alabama every year, number one. You know, Alabama, this is the sixth time they've been number one under Nick Saban. They won the national title one time during that tenure. That was in 2016. I want to get your quick thoughts, and we can come back to this later. Uh, LSU laying three and a half at the Rose Bowl next week. You know what? I'm going to reserve judgment on that one. I lean towards LSU, but remember, a couple factors for LSU. They're in Houston this week practicing because of Hurricane Ida. It's impacted their practice schedule a little bit. You also have concerns about family and other people in and around the Louisiana area. A lot of players there for the players on the LSU team. So that would be an area you would take a look at. Mike, I personally feel I won't bet this game. I'll probably look at an in-game opportunity. Maybe somebody gets up and you get a, a better number one way or the other. But I think it's going to be a competitive game. I lean LSU here. I, I love the number to be three. I just think that athlete for athlete, they're going to be able to compete with UCLA, and I'm not convinced that UCLA's defense is good enough. This could be a very, very high-scoring game. I like what you're saying, but I would actually say, can UCLA's athletes keep pace with LSU? All right, when we come back, we're going to continue to discuss week one college football games. 
including that matchup between Clemson and Georgia. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's the Mole Shaw. Coming up in 20 minutes, we'll have Ian Eagle on to discuss the NFL season 
and maybe a little bit about his Brooklyn Nets. Amal, we were talking LSU-UCLA, line three and a half next week, the big game in the Rose Bowl. How much is an advantage is it for UCLA that they have a game under their belt compared to LSU? Huge. I, I can't believe Ed Orgeron, and is it Joe Avila, uh, uh, who's the AD at LSU, you would allow this to take place. The advantage this gives UCLA is immense. That's why when you look in the Big Ten, I, that's why I give the SEC credit when Alabama plays these games against uh, Miami uh, because you're playing in the first week of the season. It's always a little bit more challenging. They played USC, some uh, Wisconsin, some of these other teams in the past to open the season. But when you look at opening the season, it gives UCLA such an advantage. The improvement, the biggest improvement, Mike, for an offense in the entire season, generally speaking, is from week one to week number two. Let's talk about another game that's on Friday in the ACC. North Carolina, top 10 ranking this year. Uh, goes to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. Carolina favored by five and a half, six. High total here, 64, I thought, for this game. Yeah, it, well, look, you look at North Carolina, offensively an outstanding team, eight starters back. They do lose uh, Carter and Williams at the tailback position. Also, Brown at wide receiver is a big loss for them. But more importantly, you've got Sam Howell, the trigger man. Offensive line, full in, fully intact. They should be good to go. Virginia Tech, Khalil Herbert was a difference maker for their offense. Without him, it's going to be an impact. He's having a hard time holding on to the ball in Chicago right now, but... More importantly, I think if you are North Carolina and Mac Brown, you want to make a statement, you're chasing down Clemson this year, this is your opportunity. This would be a great start to the season. Lane Stadium is no longer what it once was on Thursday night when you'd come in there and enter Sandman. This Virginia Tech team and uh, Brian Fuentes, big year for them. They've got to have a good season. I think it's going to be tough. They're going to get off to an 0-1 start, in my opinion. North Carolina does not have to play Clemson mm -hmm. during the regular season. Bear was on the program uh last week, uh, Chris Felica from ESPN, and said betting Powell as a Heisman at 15-1 to 1 is sort of a hedge against the championship bet on Clemson, thinking they'll meet in the ACC championship game. Fair, fair analogy, mm -hmm. but it's not parallel enough to be able to make that bet. Because, that, that one or the two have to have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not a situation where you look at, like, I like Georgia to win the SEC and if, or, or to make the college football playoff. If they win the SEC, they're going to get in the college football playoff. So, you know, it's a little bit better than necessarily betting their odds to make the college football playoff. But for me, here's what I, I think the odds to win the ACC are about 6-1 to one on them. Uh, you could take a look at them to win the league, and then you can come back with Clemson on the money line in the ACC championship game. Even if they're a 14-point favorite, they're going to be a $6 favorite on the money line. Yeah. Paul Stone made that great point. Why bet Clemson preseason? They're a heavier favorite than now than they'll be in a championship game if they're exactly. a two-touchdown favorite. No, no reason to. Uh, you, you've talked about this game earlier, Alabama against Miami uh, in, that, in that game in Atlanta. You like the total in this game. I like it under 64. It's gone down to 62.5. It'll probably hit as low as 60 by kickoff, in my opinion. Uh, remember, totals move a lot quicker. The other thing is to keep in mind, when you look at now down to 62 here uh, at Bet Rivers, uh, but when you look at this Alabama team, three starters back on offense, okay? Evan Neal, one of the best left tackles in college football. He's going to be outstanding. But I have a lot of question marks about the Alabama offense. I get that everybody, you know, again, I said lazy earlier in the previous segment. This is what applies to Alabama. You don't replace six first-round picks and eight starters, including a Heisman Trophy winner and one of the most difficult players ever to tackle in Jalen Waddle immediately and just sit there and think there's not a, there's not a drop-off. Do you think another team deserves to be number one, or do you think they still deserve to be number well, one? Well, so here's my theory on number one. Mm -hmm. I always believe the defending national champion, if everyone transferred from Alabama and Nick Saban retired, I still believe they should be the preseason number one team. I always believe the defending national champion should be number one. However, based on what the talent and teams are right now, I think it should be the Oklahoma Sooners. I think Boomer Sooner offensively, what they are defensively, they've got a couple of transfers in there. The addition of Gray at the tailback position, 
Uh, Wanye Morris on the offensive line. I love this Oklahoma team. Look, I like Iowa State, but at the end of the day, it's going to be tough for them to beat Oklahoma in the Arlington where Oklahoma always plays well. I think Oklahoma wins the Big 12. Uh, Iowa State has a tremendous season. The Sooners get in the college football playoff, and I think they're better this year. And as much as I criticize Alex Grinch, I think Nick Benino is going to have an all-American type of season for the Sooners. I like this team a lot. Clemson, Georgia, the big game of the weekend. Mike Pritchard was on our paddle here Saturday. He wanted to pick Georgia to win the national championship. Concerns about the tight end being injured. Yeah, Washington, big kid, 6'7", tight end here out of Desert Pines, got an injury. He's going to be miss, miss this game. Smith, the secondary, is safety who transferred in from West Virginia, also injured. That's a big blow. This kid is big time. Uh, so you have to look at, and the other, I forgot right now the name, but the other kid from Clemson who transferred to Georgia, also he's got a bit of an injury concern. So you've got two guys in the secondary who are absolute beasts. Georgia's still very good defensively, and uh, look for them to be able to run the ball. They're going to need to do that. Remember, they lost Pickens, the wide receiver, all year with a t- uh, torn ACL. Clemson defensively should be outstanding. Ten starters back, including Skalski and uh, uh, Nolan Turner, the secondary. So, We should see how this team does. I think they'll be ready to go. If it isn't an elimination game for the college football playoff, what a great game it is for both programs. It's unbelievable, but I'll tell you one thing. If Clemson loses, they should be out. But it's not going to happen. I've been trying to make this argument. When we come back, we'll take a look at our plays as well as action on the diamond today. Now that the NFL preseason has kicked off, it's the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VSIN Pro Football Betting Guide. The guide is only $19.99 and available now. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for VSIN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. Go to vsin.com slash subscribe. And ball, I had, uh, I had Michael Lombardi in studio for the final three segments. Uh, on Friday, this is the nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's a Mall Shaw. He he made it down here in good time from the South Point after he got off Lombardi line, and he actually uh, he's been following some baseball and had some commentary. I did have ten plays over the weekend, went six two and two. So we we Very picked nice. up we picked up but a terrible beat on that Atletico Madrid total yesterday um, with Villarreal. Uh, I have two baseball plays tonight. Um, I thought Louis Castillo was just too heavy of a price. Uh, against the Cardinals, even though I've been fading Lester, he p- pitched better in, in other starts. I'm going to go with your guy. I'm going to go with Zach Wheeler. The Phillies are still in this. The Nationals waved the white flag. Um, they waved the white flag at the trade deadline. I mean, th- their team, they're done. They're a dead team. They're one of those seven bottom teams in the league. I think the Phillies still have a fighting chance here. Uh, and I thought this is a cheap price on Wheeler on the road. I really expected him to be closer to 160, 165. I laid 145 for two units a month. Yeah, not a bad play at all in terms of the way Zach Wheeler has performed. And with Philadelphia having something to play for, the Washington Nationals right now kind of looking towards the offseason. Uh, so I, I don't think it's a bad play and a bad price on Wheeler here. And then and the other game, this is a good pitching matchup in San Francisco. Now, San Francisco comes home long flight after the day game in Atlanta yesterday. Atlanta took the last two out of three in that series. They've got Smiley on, or Equato on the hill tonight against Burns with the Brewers. Burns still with an outside shot at the Cy Young. 
had one bad inning against the Reds, the fourth inning in that game. They rallied to win that game. I think Burns has a big effort here tonight, and I laid a short price on the road, 128. Yeah, I'm not sure when you got this price, but I, I saw it as high as 139 already. So going up, no no surprise there with Burns going, and you alluded to the fact that the Giants coming off that road trip, especially traveling from Atlanta. So good opportunity here if you like Corbin Burns. Rare that you get a price like this uh, for him. So not a bad one. I looked at this game under 7.5, Mike, but decided to stay away. I was a little bit concerned with Cueto, but again, Brew Crew not been consistent hitting the baseball all year. In terms of the two plays, the Phillies four games behind Cincinnati in the wild card race uh, in the National League with San Diego and St. Louis in between them. Um, <clears throat> and then um, the Giants still leading the Dodgers by two and a half games. The Dodgers just really can't make any inroads. They swept the Padres at the same time the Giants were sweeping. Giants lose two out of three. Dodgers lose two out of three at home to the Rockies. But it's kind of similar in the American League East. Yeah. As well as the Yankees have been playing, the Rays continue to sizzle. Uh, despite the fact they threw Chris Archer out on the mound yesterday, they figure out a way to get a win, and the Yankees fall short in Oakland. And then the other thing you alluded to in terms of the National League West, the Dodgers obviously had a little bit of difficulty this weekend with the Rockies, but that happens over the course of 162 games. But this Giants team, they're going nowhere. And St. Louis blows a huge opportunity for them if they're going to make a push for that wild card. 3-1 lead in Pittsburgh and give up a three-run home. Walk-off. Yeah, walk-off. All right, let's take a look at a couple of these other games. Cardinals, Reds, I mentioned. Lester against Castillo. Let's not forget St. Louis is three and a half games out. Actually, half a game ahead of Philadelphia in that race for the second wild card, which Cincinnati holds right now. So a very key series in Cincinnati. An opportunity for St. Louis to creep closer if they can do well here. It's Lester against Castillo, but a big price here, $2. It was too much for me to lay. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I thought it was a run line play on the Reds or no play at all, but I didn't want to do it. Um, but you're right, with Castillo on the mound against Lester, I don't see him necessarily coming back and pitching with another strong effort on the road. He, he pitched well against Detroit the it's other exactly. day. If you, think, if you think he's got a big effort, there's two ways you could play this, I think. You could, you could take the 180 if, if you want to back Lester here. But five's a big number, and I know it's the small park, but it's still four pitcher outs when you look at the National League. So I lean under first five here. If anything, I just can't pull the trigger on Louis Castillo in this spot. You talked about the Red Sox. They take on the Rays in a series here in Tampa Bay tonight. Uh, Nick Pavetta goes for the Sox against Luis Patino, who's absolutely been great. We talked about all these no-name starters in the Rays line. They just keep getting it, keep getting it done there. Patino's a dollar thirty-five favorite here. If you like him on the run line, you get plus one forty-five total of nine. I'm all. Yeah, this is a critical series for the Boston Red Sox. So for Tampa, you got an opportunity to eliminate one of your competitors if you can take care of business over the next few games in this matchup. Uh, you got to look towards the Rays here. Fairly cheap price. Didn't touch this one, but I think Tampa at home. I, I don't know if I believe in Boston being able to make the comeback. We always thought they were going to kind of fall off a little bit. I know Josh Towers had said that. Uh, and they've started to go south, as we see big picture-wise. Yeah, they still lead. They lead the A's by two and a half. Um, the Mariners are still in the race uh, for the wild card. I, I don't know there. The A's, I think I can rely on the A's starting pitching a little bit more than Boston, but I like the Boston lineup better. I wouldn't make a bet there on who's going to make the wild card. I, th I think it's probably going to be one of the two of them, but I'm not convinced on either team, and I don't think either team has a long-term playoff future this year. I tend to agree with you. I, I really think it's Tampa Bay that's coming out of the American League. Zach Greinke got absolutely shelled yesterday. You know, the reverse run line yesterday on that one was pretty good because the Rangers had lost four in a row. Uh, Astros came in having won four in a row. They're at home to avoid the sweep against their intrastate rival there, and they get it done. But, I, I mean, who's the guy that's going to step up for the Houston Astros when they need a clutch pitching performance? Um, Framber Valdez? I mean, I don't know. If, who do I want to have the ball in a, in a, in a big game? It might be him. 
Uh, Dodgers play the Braves. Braves continue to play well. Like I said, two out of three from the Giants. Now they head west to Chavez Ravine, where the Dodgers drop two out of three to the Rockies. But they get their big three back in rotation for this series. Urias, Bueller, Scherzer. Smiley goes tonight for the Braves. The total's nine. Another $2 favorite here, 210, 220, depending on where you look. Around even money on the run line for the Dodgers. I thought the number was a little bit high. I, I mean, Atlanta's a team that's going to be in the playoffs. Plus 180, that's a big number to get with the Atlanta Braves here. I, I don't think the Dodgers should be 220 in this spot. I'm not a big Drew Smiley guy. That's the one thing that concerns me. But the Dodgers haven't been hitting. And when you look at especially Cody Bellinger, you know what? He He's one of those guys when he steps into the box, you're always concerned because of what he's been capable of doing in the past. But will he be able to do that when they need it most? That's what really matters. Has there been a modern-day player that's had a bigger fall-off than Cody Bellinger? He goes from being an MVP, a home-run champ, to now being one of the worst eight-spot hitters in the National League. It's a great question. I think that's an excellent point you make. He came up with the bases loaded in San Diego and went out. You knew he wasn't putting the ball in play. And no shot that he was going to drive in a run in, in that long extra inning game. Right away I said, okay, they're going to be able to get a hit with two outs. You knew he's striking out. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, a little bit of breaking news here. According to Mike Wells, the Colts have placed center Ryan Kelly, receiver Zach Paschal, and quarterback Carson Wentz on the reserve COVID-19 list them all. This was supposed to be a big, big week for Wentz and his foot recovery on the field. That's, that is a big blow for this team. Uh, oh, that, that's really going to hurt them. I think it's going to have an impact on that week one line. You know, we saw maybe potentially taking a look at the Colts. Now with these injuries, uh, is that a game you touch, you take the Seahawks? What do you do? I don't know. Michael Lombardi on the panel said, take a lesson from the NBA. These NBA players this year that got COVID say they were never right for a couple months. They didn't feel 100% themselves. He specifically was mentioning it in reference to the Titans and Tannehill. Now the other co-favorite in that division, the Colts, coming under the same circumstances. It's going to be a big factor, and you're absolutely right. We've seen it throughout in sports. Michael, we've seen it in tennis as much, and we've seen it in some of these other sports. It has a factor. All right, when we come back, we'll have Iron Eagle. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wait days for your winnings. Cash out instantly with Bet Rivers' new feature, Rush Pay. Get your cash when you want it at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, the industry leader with exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boost, and the most in play betting options out there. As always, get $250 match bonus, fastest payouts, and only one time playthrough at Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Not valid in Iowa. Welcome back into the nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. We're so excited to have Ian Eagle on the program again today. Many of you know him as the voice of the NFL on CBS or perhaps the NCAA tournament or from his days calling the lacrosse games at the University of Syracuse. Ian, have you had your full breakfast, your chocolate donut, and your Pepsi already today? Uh, yeah, I have a feeling that uh, dietary choice is going to stick with me for a while. <laughs> it's, I have. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not shy about it. I, I have the palate of an 11-year-old. I accept it. <laughs> It's just a great story with Brady. Ian, you're a New York guy. You're the king of Queens. You grew up there. You went to Syracuse, the voice of the Nets. If you were doing a five-year investment where you could buy stock and you, you had planned to keep it for the next five years, mm-hmm. would you be buying stock in the Giants or the Jets? Oh, man. Uh, I think just my access. Uh, I did get to go to, to Jets camp the other day. I got to get a sense of what the culture flip feels like and the vibe in there. And I do think over a five-year period, you're going to see 
results. The issue with the Giants right now, as we know, the clock is ticking. If Danny Dimes doesn't get it done this year, they're going to hit the reset button. They're going to start over. So if I was hedging, I would say I like the fresh investment of the Jets. The Giants have a better team currently. The Giants will have a better season than the Jets. The question is whether or not the Giants make enough progress to convince you that they're ready to go in the next five years. Uh, they're, they're all set. This could be a huge turnover. If it doesn't go the way they're supposed to this year, there's going to be changes at the top, there's going to be changes at QB, and there's going to be a change in philosophy. Ian, you know, three, three coaches in six years, and you're talking about another reset. Does the reset get as far as John Mara? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the concern right now for the Giants, that they went back in time a bit, and they felt that they were going back to a philosophy that had been successful, someone that had been a part of it, although had not been in charge of it. And now what's the alternative? What, what becomes the next way to go? What philosophy is the right one? The Jets feel like they have the right people in place. They like the quarterback, Zach Wilson. They believe he's going to live up to the expectations. They like their head coach and Robert Sala, the way he leads players, the way he connects with his team, and the way he sets a tone in the building. And they like Joe Douglas, believe that he has the right uh, mindset in building a team, starting with the offensive and defensive lines, and then building out. The Giants philosophically right now, I'm not sure where they would turn to next. So they really need this to work. That's, that's the long answer. This has to be a successful season. And in fact, I think the way they're viewing it, they have to win their division. I, I would tend to agree with you, and I think it's going to be a difficult challenge. You mentioned that division, the Buffalo Bills in that in the NF AFC East. Excuse me, you mentioned the Giants, but you car you are calling the first game of the season between the Steelers and the Bills. When you look at this yeah. Buffalo team, I think that Stephon Diggs he's, he's a top five receiver, but I said he's the most valuable wide receiver in the NFL, and what he means to Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen owes about twenty percent of his contract now to Stephon <laughs> Diggs. How much of an impact has he had for this team overall? And can they take that next step this year and get past this Kansas City offense that's extremely difficult for the, anyone to slow down in the postseason? I think he changed their team last year. And it probably goes underreported because Josh Allen had such a leap. I'm not sure we've seen a quarterback take that big a jump. I go back to Peyton Manning, year one, rookie season, three and 13, year two, 13 and three, and now the makings of the MVP that we eventually saw in the Hall of Famer. Josh Allen, year two to year three, became a different guy. He wasn't accurate year two. There were flashes of his ability, but never consistency. And then, boom, all of a sudden, everything changed. And a lot of it is his maturity and his understanding of the position. But I do think Stefan Diggs played a large role, not just on the field, but off the field, infusing Allen with confidence. They hit it off right away. Their chemistry on the field was through the roof. And their chemistry off the field worked as well. Even during a pandemic, they found commonality. And I think this is just my interpretation of interviews with Josh, interviews with Stefan, doing the playoff game last year against the Colts, getting a feel for their organization and the dynamic. My sense of it is that Stefan almost gave everybody in that locker room the, the nod of approval that this guy is the real deal, that Stefan's been around, and Josh can do this. He can be that guy. And then there was this 
total buy-in from the team, and clearly with the salary that he's getting in the new contract, they're in it for the long haul. They believe this guy can lead them to the promised land and win a Super Bowl. Talking with Ian Eagle, play-by-play announcer for CBS Sports, also the voice of college basketball on CBS, does a terrific job for the Brooklyn Nets. Ian, I want to stick with the Bills here. Their season win total set at 11. They're the favorite to win their division, the AFC East. How far can they go without an effective running game? Yeah, that's really the million-dollar question. and Nobody pops off the page of that group. I think they look at Allen as still a, a dual threat because he can run the ball. He did less of it last year because the passing game was working and he had confidence in his receivers. If you're looking for a weakness, that would be the only potential spot. But Look, we've seen this. We've seen the Patriots win Super Bowls without the big-time running back. They could do it by committee. They could get by. I think they have enough. What's really interesting to me, week one, normally if you said to me, oh, you're doing the Bills and the Steelers, who would be the headline in that equation? It would always be Pittsburgh, and it's not. That's truly amazing. That's what the NFL is all about. In two years' time, things can change, and the waters can shift. And it's now the Steelers as the team that's trying to prove that they still belong, and they've got enough mojo, and Ben can do it again for another year. And it's the Bills that are grabbing the headlines and the team of the moment, uh, the flavor of the month, so to speak. Although I think Buffalo believes they're going to be that for a long time because of what they have at QB, and the Steelers are going to be at asking the same questions that most teams ask. Okay, what's the next direction, and how are we going to get there? As a guy who gets to see a lot of these teams up close and call the games, any particular storylines or teams that you're really interested in this year that you think are going to make a leap forward? Maybe the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, they had a great year last year, but can they take that step forward? They open with Kansas City. Maybe another team that's got your eye that we're potentially overlooking. Yeah, the teams that I'm curious about, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, is this the last dance? And if it is, can he go out with a Super Bowl as a Green Bay Packer? Uh, to me, that that screams narrative number one in the NFL this season. Beyond that, Matthew Stafford with the Rams, I'm very curious. I just want to see that pairing, him and McVay out of Detroit, uh, Stafford, now in a position where maybe the joy comes back to his day-to-day football life and and can they find a real connection. And then I'll stay in Los Angeles, and I'm really curious about the Chargers. I, I just think I saw enough last year to believe that there might be some pieces in place. Offensively, I think they're going to be highly competitive, and you'd have to think with, with the coaching change that they're going to be a better defensive team. So that, that's maybe the one dark horse that I don't think is getting a whole lot of attention. Maybe the Chargers can sneak up on some people, and they're not a big topic in September, but November, December, they, they might move to the forefront and surprise some people. Oh, Ian, you were doing so well until that answer. Mike has put in paperwork <laughs> to adopt Justin Herbert. He's officially trying to adopt him. He, Mike loves the Chargers this year, but I, I do agree with you guys. I think they're going to have a solid year, but the big question, Mike, is, uh, Mark, Mike, can they stay healthy? Yeah, I'm also, I don't love their, I guess they really didn't play the preseason. I mean, he has the, he has the McVay philosophy there, but so we didn't see much of anything, but we'll see. First year head coach is always uh, interesting. Do they know how to manage the game? Um, And, and you know, it's a lot of responsibility going from being a coordinator to a head coach. 
We've got a couple minutes left, I, and I want to ask you about Jacksonville and the situation there with, with Urban Meyer and how you view what Meyer will be able to accomplish. Players complaining about being treated like collegians. If you look at Meyer on the sidelines in these preseason games, it looks like he's under a lot of stress. He's never lost. I mean, 8-3 and three is his worst year, his first year at Bowling Green. How do you adjust from going to be a national championship, winning 91% of your games at Ohio State, to maybe being 3-14 and 14 this year? When Nick Saban, and I think about this story quite a bit, when Nick Saban was in Miami, we had a Charger-Dolphin game on the road in San Diego. And the way it works with the road team is you meet with them in their hotel, and normally you get like 15 minutes, 20 minutes at most with the head coach, and you get the quarterback, a starter on offense, two starters on defense, and you're out of there. That's your production meeting. Well, at this particular point in time in that season, Saban came into the meeting, and he met with us for an hour. He just kept going, going, and we did not meet with a player. Like, eventually the PR guy tells us, he's like, guys, I'm sorry, we, we just, we have to go. And it hit me that it was almost like a little bit of a session for him to just vent and get some stuff off his chest. And it reminds me a little bit of this Jacksonville situation. Nick Saban is a brilliant head coach. I think he could have been highly successful in the NFL, but it's going to be similar in Jacksonville. I, I think he's going to have some struggles this year. It's a great story, Ian. We thank you for the time again and look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right, guys. All the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. He's, he's terrific. Looking forward to hearing him on that Steelers-Bills call. He's going to have to have some of his interesting stories because I think it's going to be a one-sided game. Preseason did not impress me about the Chargers. I'm starting to take some pause here. You want the Ravens for the Super Bowl? The adoption paperwork hasn't been completed yet. <laughs> Stay tuned to VEASAN. Up next, betting across America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.